Welcome, I'm Julie Bacon, and you're listening to the Mindset Coaching for Handlers podcast, a podcast for dog handlers who are on a mission to achieve big goals. I will share lessons, insights, personal stories, and tools you can apply during your next show, trial, or test to help you strengthen your mental game and hopefully cue more consistently. So if you are ready to improve your competitive mindset, get out of your own way, and connect with your dog like never before, then it's time to get comfy, bring an open mind, and work your mindset. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. All right, this week we are talking about anxiety, whether it's performance anxiety or just a light case of ring nerves or downright fear, anything in between. However you think about where your nerves come from. Um, I think most people talk about them as ring nerves or they just say, oh, I got so nervous or um, they say, oh, I've, you know, in the severe cases, they might admit to having out of performance anxiety. And the thing is, is what the word no one uses is fear. Because on one hand, nobody's really afraid or they don't think about being afraid to walk into the ring, right? Fear is associated with like, you know, bears and fire and catastrophes and drowning and like, you know, some really, really awful things to be afraid of. And so people don't really kind of couch their ring nerves, their like simple case of ring nerves, or even their extreme case of choking in the finals as really, they don't define it as really being fearful. Um, Because again, they aren't afraid to go do their sport. Uh, They just are experiencing this this inability to perform at their best because they're nervous. And so we want to get to the bottom of that, obviously, because we want that to not get in our way. And the thing about ring nerves or fear or performance anxiety or whatever word you or phrase you want to use to describe what it is that you feel, at the base of it, it is related to fear physiology physiologically (laughs) wow that easy for me to say in your body (laughs) okay in your body it's the same as you know being afraid of a bear you know and and no not to that extreme of course but what your body does with it what your brain does with it the the processes that it goes through is really similar now it's not to the same degree, okay, but there are some very similar things that are triggered when we feel nervous or um, we feel performance anxiety or any of those kinds of things, all right? So it's real. It is a real, it's a real live thing and it, we need to obviously get a handle on it. And it's one of the main things that people come to me for coaching, for one-on-one coaching about is their performance anxiety or their ring nerves. Um, And they will say that they experience as a result of that, they experience, you know, everything from, you know, clients have come to me and said, like, I completely forgot the course, like completely forgot what I was doing. Others will say, like, I don't remember what happened in the ring. You know, there are points of it that they just don't remember. Uh, There are points where they just, they know that they get so tense and they just can't think or they can't perform. You know, it's all manners and levels and types of kind of what I always say is just getting in our own way. You know, we have the skills uh, to perform. We We are prepared. 
but we just for whatever reason, well, I know what the reason is. <laughs> we tend to focus on the outcomes, right? We tend to focus on what could go wrong. We catastrophize um, and we think of all the things that could go wrong or we really want something so badly that we start to get worried that it won't happen and it won't happen for, you know, a numerous reasons. Maybe we can't perform or maybe our dog does something we can't predict or, you know, maybe the judge makes a, a funky call. Uh, there are all kinds of things, some within our control, some not within our control. And we let those things, those outcomes or those things that could happen get in the way of us and our outcome. And so in a sense, we are not in the present moment, right? And so when we talk about where these things come from, like what are the initial triggers? What are those things that trigger us into feeling this way? Um, and that's what we're going to get into today because there are like about five of them-ish, right? Um, and uh, you could probably add to them if you wanted to parse out some things, but we're going to talk about five today. And I think that, um, you know, one thing that's important to understand about fear and how it works very simply, and I've gone through this in other podcasts, um, is that what happens is the your front part of your brain, so your brain sort of think of it in three parts, front, mid, and and back or like amygdala or like your lizard brain you'll hear it called all right well your front is where you do all the like future processing and planning and thinking and strategizing it's a part of the human brain that most animals don't really have or if they do it's much much smaller it takes up a lot less real estate in the old skull and the midbrain is sort of that like kind of mid uh, central point kind of keeping the trains running on time this goes this way this goes this way it kind of directs thoughts and things and kind of knows what to do with them. And then the rear, the amygdala, the lizard brain is responsible for things like breathing, <laughs> you know, your heartbeat. You don't really have to think about those things. They just happen. And so blood flow, um, you know, hormones release, all that kind of stuff, like the things that keep your system running are located back in lizard brain. And they talk about it like lizard brain, thinking of it as primitive, right? We all have to have a portion of our, you know, gray matter that is designated to just keeping us alive, okay? Um, and so what happens when we see a situation that is make maybe makes us nervous or maybe makes us downright fearful it sends a signal to the midbrain and it says like hey i just saw this thing like do i need to be worried and the midbrain sort of makes a decision and says oh yes be afraid be very very afraid <laughs> or be nervous be very very nervous or yes you are walking into the finals ring like this is a big freaking deal and so then it sends a signal back to the amygdala that says we, you know, we've got a fear here, um, do something. And the amygdala actually starts to divert blood flow. It releases hormones. It changes our breathing. We breathe faster. Our heart beat fa beats faster. And in that, b the blood flow diversion uh, or divert, diverting, <laughs> divert, it's not a diversion, it's diverting. It actually takes blood away from things that don't need to don't aren't the most important in that moment okay like for instance your stomach is one of those things the reason you feel the butterflies or downright nauseous is because you don't have as much blood flowing to your stomach because your brain has decided that it better send the b blood flow to like you know the the big muscles the muscles that are gonna like run you know if that's the case so your legs get more you know blood flow your heart gets more blood flow your arms your big muscles get more blood flow another place where the blood is 
taken away from is your frontal lobe, your the front part of your brain, the part of your brain that is like logical and can reason things out and can plan things forward, which is why you forget the course or you um, didn't remember even competing or you kind of, you have this thing like, God, I just felt like I couldn't think straight or I just did, I didn't, I made some bad decisions or whatever, whatever. It's because literally your blood has up to, or your blood, your front of your brain has up to 30% less blood, 30%. Okay. That's significant. That's going to make a difference, right? Hormones are flooding your system, you know, your heart's going, you know, all of these things are physiological changes that are real when we feel anxiety. And again, to different degrees, all right? And there are strategies to bring yourself back into your mind, right? You know, phrases, you know, there's all these great phrases that are ancient, like wasn't in my right mind, or I couldn't hear myself think, or, you know, I, I just feel like I just kind of blacked out. I don't even remember, you know, what was going on. All of that is real. Okay. All of that is real. So it is not in your imagination. It is a physical cause or a physical response to us feeling nervous or afraid or performance anxiety or whatever. Okay. So I could do a whole hour on that. I'm not going to do that. What's important for you to understand though, is that we need to get ahead of these physical responses so that our amygdala does not get involved and does not start diverting blood away from the places where we need it, like uh, thinking, and that we can kind of stay in the present moment and perform at our best. So what I'm going to share now are those five common sources of performance anxiety because it's important to know our triggers because if we know what kind of makes us or can make us nervous, if we can identify those ahead of time, head them off at the past, maybe do some breathing exercises or some other things, we can keep that fear response from tripping. Does that make sense? Okay, so the first of these very common performance sources is uh, a fear of failure, okay? Maybe obvious or whatever, but a fear of failure can look a lot of different ways. Like, you know, seldom do we like outright fail, you know? Most of the time, it's maybe an error that we make. Um, You know, in the case of agility, you might have you know, 19 perfect obstacles and you have one mistake that of course costs you a qualifying run, a cue, right? And so then is that a failure? I mean, we can do a whole other podcast on the fact that no, it's not a failure. It's feedback and you were so close. You did 19 things right and one thing wrong. But the point is, is you are afraid to get a negative outcome, right? You are afraid not to get the outcome you want, desire, expect even, crave, um, need in your life, right? And that fear of failure in any form, right? Whatever words you want to use can really be triggering and really cause us to go fearful or be very much in a performance anxiety or super, super ring nerves, right? Because we're nervous. Why are we nervous? Well, we're afraid we can't do the thing or we're afraid to fail or we're afraid we can't execute. Okay, so the first one is fear of failure. The second one is perfectionism. And perfectionism, I mean, it's a doozy because we, you know, even if we are not perfectionists, you know, we don't want to do everything perfectly. 
we still have a whole bunch of things we have to execute in the ring, right? Obedience the obedience ring is a great example of this to me. Um, when done, you know, gorgeously, it's just like poetry, right? Watching a beautiful obedience run. But there's so many things and you get judged on all these little, I mean, in that ring, if you're not familiar, they're, you know, they can take half points off. You know, you, you walk into the ring, you have 200 points and everything is deductions, right? Um, half a point for this, a point for this, you know, two points for this, five points maybe for a, a handler error or something like that. And so to try to be perfect, I mean, really amazing obedience handlers are going for that 200, that coveted perfect score. And yet in other disciplines like agility, you can score a hundred, which is the highest amount of points. Um, but it can also be a train wreck <laughs> of a run, right? You can have a couple great saves. You can have a couple near misses. You know, the bar can rattle but not come down and you can still qualify or get a score of 100. So depending on your ring, depending on what perfection looks like to you, um, perfectionism can be a really big source of performance anxiety because it is such an incredibly high bar. All right. And those handlers that are in those obedience rings and they're getting 200s or 199 and a halves. Um, and I've had the joy to watch some of those runs before. Um, remember, they had to work up to that. They didn't do that in their first trial, right? They might have been a 171 and a half in their first trial. All right. They had to work up to that. And so perfectionism or having this ideal that it has to be perfect or else it's crap is can be terrifying, right? Because it is such an unrealistic expectations. And so the antidote to that is setting realistic expectations and really asking yourself, is perfect possible? Is this realistic in this moment for me? What are realistic expectations that I should have? What are realistic goals or performance goals that I should have for me in this moment, for me and my dog, for my green dog maybe in this moment? What's realistic? And uh, perfectionism can be the enemy then of progress if, you know, if you're one of those that has to be perfect or else forget about it, right? So perfectionism would be a second source of making us nervous, performance anxiety, ring nerves. A third is negative self-talk. And yeah, just each of these, honestly, we could do a whole podcast on each one of these, but negative self-talk really will bite us in the rear end, okay? <laughs> and because we are what we think we are, right? Um, we are as fabulous or as terrible as we believe we are. And if we are always saying terrible things to ourselves about our skills or our progress or our um, you know, what's possible, then that's what we will come to believe is true. And there's so many people, you know, when you walk a course, even if it's a rally course or an agility course, or even like I was walking draft courses this weekend, you hear other handlers kind of speaking their self-talk out loud, right? And worrying about this or worrying about that, or I can't get there to do that, or I never do this right, or, oh, that's going to be hard for us or whatever. Now, there's one thing to know that like, oh, I have to pay special attention to this area versus I never do that right. That's really, that's going to be a mess for us, right? And so our self-talk can, you know, be, you know, basically what you're doing is you're walking a course. So imagine this, you 
and this other being, this other person is walking a course and you're like, la, 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 just trying to learn the course and, you know, just actually feeling very neutral about it. You don't even have to be positive. You can just be neutral. Like it's very factual. Like this is the first thing. This is the second thing. This is the third thing. Okay. But the person next to you the whole time is going, oh, you think you can do that? <laughs> oh, 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 you think you can do that? <laughs> yeah. You've never done that once in practice, right? You never get that right. Your dog hates that. Oh, you think your dog's going to work in this environment? Huh. Did you see that guy with the umbrella? Huh. And the kid running around? Forget about it, right? So imagine if that person were walking next to you. Well, probably you would punch them in the face. But if that same person was in your own head, then you are putting all this extra pressure on yourselves and you are already telling yourself that you can't do it. And that makes you so much more nervous, makes you so much more anxiety. Um, it just, it messes with your expectations. It just messes with everything. So I, you know, if I could fix one thing for you this weekend, it would be like fix your self-talk, really get you get awareness around how you speak to yourself, the, what the thoughts that roll around in your head, because you could be sabotaging your run before you ever walk in the ring. Okay. So that would be number three, negative self-talk. Number four would be um, low confidence, you know, that you just don't believe in yourself. And the thing is, is that most of the time what I see with confidence issues is it's not true. It's just a belief that you keep having, right? A thought you keep having that becomes a belief that becomes when left unchecked, a limiting belief. And of course, I have a confidence masterclass. It's one of the first online classes that I developed and it is now offered through Clean Runs Learning Center as well. Um, and the reason I started with that class um, or, you know, it was my, I technically, I guess it was my second class, but um, the reason I thought that was so important is because confidence is a skill. Everybody thinks of confidence as something you just have. Like, oh, that person's really confident. Well, they didn't get that way by accident. They didn't just like, you know, open their eyes, you know, when they were like a minute old and was like, I am confident, you know. They had to learn it. They had experiences. They had to build their skill set. They had to build their um, their knowledge base of, you know, being able to perform a, a skill in a certain environment and the more environments and they built on that. And it's a, it is a skill. Confidence is a skill. And so if you are lacking confidence, it is not only that you need to go practice something till you feel really good about your ability to execute on it. It is also a skill that you can build with repetition and, um, other, you know, mindset things. Okay. And if you want to learn more about it, seriously, go check out the class either on my site or on clean run site. doesn't matter to me where you go. Um, but go check it out. Um, because confidence really is a skill. And when we don't have confidence, when our confidence is low, it can be, we're questioning our own abilities. We question our dog's abilities. Um, we just, you know, we don't know that we have confidence. Maybe, well, I've got confidence at home to do this, but I don't have confidence when I'm at a trial to do this. And it, again, it erodes, it, it bleeds into self-talk. It bleeds into, you know, these other fears. It feeds these other fears. It just is, it becomes really debilitating quite honestly, right? So um, if you think that one of your problems is confidence, again, I want to tell you it's a skill and we can build it. Okay. The last one, number five is lack of preparation. 
Um, I'm going to personalize this one and say there are absolutely times I've walked into the rings and thought, damn, I am not prepared for this. <laughs> you know, I didn't practice enough. Maybe I didn't walk the course enough. Maybe I'm running a really green dog and they're a little bit in over their heads, but I'm going to try anyway. Um, or, you know, maybe everything from like I got there late to, you know, I just, maybe the dog really isn't prepared for this level. Maybe he's not that green, but he's not prepared for this level. And I just don't feel prepared for whatever reason. And I talk a lot about preparation in general in kind of two camps, things we can control and things we can't control. And we can't super prepare for things we can't control. Like I can't control the weather. I can pack a raincoat. Um, but, you know, I can't control, you know, the judge and their calls, but I can choose trials where I think that I either know the judge or or have heard good things about the judge or choose an environment that is good for my dog or things like that, even though I can't control the environment, right? Um, things I can control, of course, is, you know, what we eat, what we, you know, what time I get to the trial, um, how we, you know, our rituals in the morning and some of those kinds of things. So when we think about preparation, if we really feel like we're in over our heads, you have to ask yourself, is this a confidence problem? Is this true? Am I truly in over my head? Am I truly stretching myself beyond my comfort zone, maybe even beyond my growth zone? And I feel really like, oh, I'm not prepared. Or am I feeling not prepared um, because of some other reason or maybe just self-talk, right? I mean, some of these things like are intertwined and it's maybe hard to parse what it is. But I... Um, you know, have definitely felt a little bit unprepared, even in carting or draft where I felt like, ah, my, are my dogs conditioned enough, you know, you know, to do this very hard thing, um, you know, this physical thing, um, have they practiced enough, things like that. And for some people, if you have perfectionistic tendencies, there's never enough. There is never an amount of preparation that you can do. Um, but for the rest of us, there's probably kind of, it's probably a Goldilocks, not too much, not too little, probably just right. And we can probably find what is a, a comfortable level of preparation. All right. So those are the five most common sources. And of course, today we don't have time to like give you remedies for each one of those. Rather, what I'm proposing is that it's important to know where your anxiety has come from. So if you're even standing at the ring or feeling jittery in the morning or starting to feel some sort of unease in your body, ask yourself like, what is that? Like for me, when I get nervous, I get like tight right? I know that my shoulders are tight and my, my mouth, my voice is tight. I'm, I'm short with my dogs. Um, I talked about that in an email I sent out to my, uh, list, uh, this week about like, you know, I just feel like I, I, you know, I'm tense. I'm short with my dogs. Everything's just tight. I don't feel loose and relaxed and, and flowy. I just feel tight and angsty. You know, that's sort of my thing. Well, when I start to feel like that, I now, have the recognition and the awareness to go, ha ha, I am starting to feel nervous. Why? Where's this coming from? What is the thought that I'm having? Am I, do I feel prepared? Am I feeling like I don't have the confidence? Am I, is my negative self-talk getting to me? Am I trying to be perfect here? Or am I afraid to fail? And usually the afraid to fail is tied to, am I focused on outcomes versus the process goals and staying in the moment? 
for me, that's usually what it, where it ends up, though I have been in all five of these <laughs> at any given time. And you're probably going to move through them and you're probably going to have a favorite, right? You're, you know, if you land on negative self-talk more than something else or whatever. Um, but once you feel what your body is doing and you kind of go, oh, that's a hint. I'm starting to get nervous. Then ask yourself where you think it's coming from. Because once you sort of figure out, well, what is the source of this? Then it's easier to sort of run it down and shut it down. Okay. And get ahead of it and get ahead of that trigger that wants to trigger your body and try to convince your amygdala into running from this bear that you think is in the, awaiting you in the ring, right? That this bad thing is going to happen. All right. So that's why the sources are important. That's why understanding what happens in your body is important. That's why self-awareness, self-awareness, self-awareness of what's going on in yourself when this happens is really key to getting ahead of it and making it all go back to normal, like what it should be so that you can hear yourself think, you can stay in the present, um, and you can do your job, okay? And get in the flow state, right? Go get in the flow and get out of your own way and just let your, you know, your skills and your dog and, and everything just kind of flow and just execute, right? So much more fun. So um, the other thing I want to say is I, um, if you want more of this fear, like knowledge and really understand it because for me, it helps to understand it. I have, um, I am launching a course. It'll be on my website in July. Uh, it's just a little online course. I don't know. I think it'll be like less than 50 bucks or whatever. And, um, and you can really learn like where does fear come from and how do we perform along with it? Because the truth is, is we just, our fear changes right? I still get nervous. I just get nervous over different things than I did 10 years ago when I was starting out, right? So in the meantime, if you want to learn more, the, our membership, the membership that I have is going to do the fear, the whole fear masterclass as part of their membership um, in June. And the membership is, you can go check it out on my website, of course, um, but they, the members pay $37 a month or there's an annual fee that, you know, gives you too much free. And, um, and so they're getting the whole masterclass for $37 a month. So if fear is something you are into and want to slay and really like get a handle on your performance anxiety, check out the membership, check out the masterclass, check it out, check it out. And, um, and if you have any questions, just uh, hit me up. All right, so this weekend, pay attention to your triggers, your sources, how you're feeling in your body, and try to get ahead of that fear, okay? And no matter what you are doing this week, I hope you have a great one with your dogs. Thanks so much for listening to the Mindset Coaching for Handlers podcast with me, Julie Bacon. I am so grateful for your precious time. I would love it if you found me on Instagram or Facebook, at The Q Coach, and let me know how it's going. I also offer a monthly membership that's perfect for ongoing support of your awesome goals. Check out theqcoach.com for details or just stop by and check out the blog and other free content. And finally, be sure to share, subscribe, and leave a review as it helps us podcasters tremendously. Plus, I know I get my best podcast recommendations from friends. Thanks and have a great week with your dogs.